Everybody. Hey, everybody! Hey, guys, welcome back to another edition of uh, America's 14th favorite news slash music based podcast, Till Death Do Us Party! Party! 14? 14? Are you for real? For news and music, yeah. Oh, okay, so you're including every other news podcast in there yep. as well so any yeah. any news podcast and then also def leopard yeah we're the numbers four, don't we're lie. 14th okay so um yeah so you're if you're listening you can tell that i am the leopard tamer Stuart wellington and joining me as always is dr def alexander smith how you doing alex i'm doing great Stuart. it's good to be back it's good oh, to be man. back in this yeah, it's been what, like a week or two since we recorded it one of these been, bad boys. Yeah, man, we we had everybody waiting uh, almost a week for one of these uh-huh. things, and a lot yep. has happened in that week. Yeah, I think spring uh, our has, lo- spring has turned lo- into summer. Summer has turned into fall. Our uh, our loyal listeners are clustered around the base of Till Death Do Us Party Manor, mm-hmm. like the uh, like the dregs in Mad Max Fury Road. And you're uh, a Morton Joe right now, pushing them levers to squirt out <laughs> hot juice into their ears. Yep, yep. Also, there's like some cars and trucks and stuff around. That's uh, for later. That's okay. Later. All right. We're just talking yeah, about yeah. the sweet ear juice. So yeah, we're just doing the setup. We're setting the scene. It's been a while. Yeah. Don't sit. Don't sing that song. I know I set you up, but don't sing it. That's a different podcast. Never. Jam. Never heard that song actually. And so, uh, if you know, I don't know if you can tell the sound difference, but I'm recording from a brand new studio in Kensington, Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, yep, it's amazing. Uh, I love it. What's your new studio called? It's called um, uh, My Underpants, the studio. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. <laughs> the first draft of a name right that's the well (laughs) so what happened was when you asked me what i was thinking i looked at my pants and i thought what's under those pants then the name of the studio came to me oh i thought you looked up at your at your underpants which were all drying on the wall there hanging hanging up on the wall in your new apartment and you thought my underpants well, I put my underpants up there to absorb all the sound. That's why it's a studio. You gotta absorb, like you know, in Hustle and Flow, they stick egg crates all over the walls. Sure, you put in, your underpants up there. Yeah, I put a bunch of underpants. I thought you put. I thought you hung your underpants up over your power crystals so that the the, the underpants would absorb the crystal energy and mm-hmm. transmit it to your uh, to your most vital core elements. Your, yeah, gen- like my- your genitals and butthole. Yeah, my, my butthole. <laughs> yeah. See, I need a power crystal, the the uh, the violet energy from my power crystal to tr- be transferred to my butthole so that all my, um, you know, movements and stuff uh, better reflect who I am as a person. It's the center of, of your body, your, your butthole. So, Everything else radiates out from that point. Yeah, it's like, it's kind of like when you vomit. I don't know if you've ever vomited, Alex. Uh, but I've gotten close. I've gotten really, gotten really close. Sure. I'm working on it. Well, remember when we did that thing where we tried to drink a gallon of milk <laughs> in, <laughs> in our friend Savelle's backyard in college? It was Jamie. Jamie. It oh, was, whoopsies. <laughs> it was people j- that aren't listening to this podcast will be super offended. <laughs> uh, hey, man. <laughs> We're a news podcast. I wanted to give the truth. Sure, that's And it fair. was Jamie Reader's front yard. Jamie Reader's front yard. We were drinking milk, uh, trying to drink a gallon of milk in an hour. They yeah. said it couldn't be done. I don't know who they is. Yeah. Uh, I elected to drink chocolate milk because I'm a fucking moron. <laughs> <What a> wise <laughs> choice. <laughs> For some reason, I thought it would go down easier. And- <laughs> yeah. I mean, adding something could only make it go down easier. Yeah. I mean, they didn't. They were out of fucking strawberry quick. So, 
So I I was drinking chocolate milk. I also I don't know if I've mentioned this, but the leopard tamer doesn't handle dairy the best. Okay. Dairy and the leopard tamer don't always agree. So I thought maybe the chocolate element <laughs> might uh, might alleviate the issues. So yeah, they they the, cancel each other out. Really, chocolate and dairy. So we're in the backyard drinking this shit. We're trying to drink it in an hour. Uh, of course, we pick late afternoon, so the sun goes down. Yeah. And the guy who's videotaping this whole thing, which is a video I hope still exists somewhere. I, c- I would love to see this video, actually. This video, uh, in order to get be able to get all of our experiences... Somebody pulled a car up and turned the fucking headlights on. Yeah. So while uh, and so while this is going on, I'm on my knees moaning, hoping that somebody kicks me in the stomach so my stomach ruptures and I'll die. Yeah, uh, my- because I I drank so much of that goddamn gallon of chocolate milk. Yeah, I have I have three very vivid memories from it and and from that experience of trying to drink a gallon of milk in Jamie Reader's front yard. Uh. uh with you and one of them is how much you were just on the ground pissed off like you were pissed off for like the whole hour because you couldn't because i i drink it super fast i couldn't barf yeah you couldn't make any room in your stomach you could you were like going fuck god damn god like you were you were yelling and angry which i think was making your experience even worse was probably cramping your thumbs up a little bit that you were so mad um, Cramping my style. I mean, that, that's not a good look if I was trying to impress the babes. Um, and I remember now, a uh, little content warning for our listeners, this is going to be super gross, but I remember have, being so successful at being able to barf up mm-hmm. the milk that I, because I had drank a 22-ounce uh, Coors Light before we started, and I remember... Seems to make sense. <laughs> yeah. I remember it was the only time in my life I've ever... I was so good at the barfing part of the of the challenge that um, I barfed up for the first and only time in my life. I've barfed up Coors Light that was still cold. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, I hope you caught that in a glass for someone else to enjoy, (laughs) which is so preferable preferable sorry to uh to the way you normally barf up beer, which is like the next day or late, late, late that night. Mm -hmm. Um. And then my third memory is seeing the video of what you're talking about where the sun had gone down and the guy had uh, pulled his car up and shined his uh, lights and and everything was backlit because the camera guy then got sort of between or got we were we were between the camera guy and the car. So you just saw these figures in this light with this halo of these cars. And every once in a while, somebody would just projectile like this enormous like milk vomit geyser yeah geyser and uh, it wasn't until it wasn't until after the hour when everybody is uh when everybody was back watching the video watching well, yeah, the highlight immediately reel watching the highlight reel i ran upstairs to jamie's toilet and managed to make myself barf oh uh and i have to say never before nor since has any kind of sexual act made me feel as good as the that vomit? Did? <laughs> oh my god! All right, that that feeling of release when curdled chocolate milk and what I am only assumed to be bones of voles and other small <laughs> vermin that I have I have captured uh, came spewing into that toilet. Oh, yeah, man, you were you were super into paleo back then. You just yeah, uh, you just I caught a- stuff and ate it right away. It was weird because I had to run out afterwards because I had a uh, I had a date with my girlfriend at the time and we were cooking dinner together, <laughs> so I ran stinking of chocolate milk barf uh, and had a lovely dinner. Yeah, albeit one that was punctuated by me having to make regular bathroom trips because, as I mentioned, uh, I don't handle dairy well. And you know what was crazy? It was I I could be hallucinating, Alex, but I think it was cold when it came out that side. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? <laughs> Good. Once God. again, this that's it could be that's apocryphal at this point. I don't have verification. Well, they don't call you the they don't call you the dairy tamer. They call you the leopard tamer. So speaking of Def Lep, uh, I have a new studio, and that's so that I can record a podcast. What have you been up to in the last couple of weeks, uh, Alex? Well, you said speaking of Def Lep, so you kind of dropped a hint there. But I saw Def Leppard live. I was in the same room as Def Leppard. 
You're going to add, like, a crazy cheer in post. Yeah, right? yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. I saw them in Louisville, Kentucky at the KFC Yum Center, our, uh, our local uh, basketball yum? arena. Like, no, Yum. Like, Yum, that's good. Like, Yum Center, like what I call my, my belly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's what I call my belly. That's the name of our, like, big arena here in town. Um, uh-huh. It was a terrible name. Um, so if you pull up Google Maps and you just type in yum, it gives you... Oh, I'm yeah, yeah. It's... No, if I, if I were to type with my location on, if I were to type yum into my phone, it would go, like, yum center first. Yeah, but you, you usually don't have uh, location tracking on, right? Because you don't no, want the government to track I, I it don't like, I don't like anyone to know where I am. Uh, I, I keep all that stuff locked down. I keep my phone on airplane mode all the time. Oh, that's great. Um, so you saw Def Leppard live. I saw Def Leppard live. What did they, how many, how many times is this for you? This is my fourth time seeing them live. So I saw them on the Adrenalized tour, uh, back in, I guess, 92 at Freedom Hall, which is the old big music place here in town. Uh, and that was back when you were a little shaver, right? You were just a little guy? I was just a little tiny guy. Um, and I went with a guy from my church youth group named Paul. <laughs> <laughs> we had a great time. Sounds right. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, and then I saw Def Leppard again with you and Bill Hickey in, uh, what was that? What university was that? In, in Western at Indiana. Purdue, at per, at, at Purdue. Purdue University. Yeah. Um, and that was that was a really great show. That was a great. They put on a great concert. It was probably the smallest uh, um, venue that I've seen them in. We, did, I feel uh, like we did, were like relatively did, close. Yeah. Did Joan um, Jett open for them? Is that the... that's right? Yes. Joan Jett and her like super youngish band of like kind of emo looking boys opened mm-hmm. up, uh, and then um, and then I saw them with Heart. At the Kentucky State Fair, like maybe four or five years ago, and how that's, was Hart? Hart was incredible, man. They, yeah. th- there's nothing uh, like I, I'm. I'm sorry, they just have not. They sound like they sound like they probably they sound probably better than they did in their heyday. I mean, Hart yeah. just Hart just fucking crushes, uh, and. And then Def Leppard at that show was as good as I've ever seen. There was just something about the energy. They had sort of packaged their show as a sort of trip down memory lane, but it was before their, like, hysteria. Um, They did, like, a hysteria thing out in Las Vegas uh, where they did, like, all of hysteria and this kind of hysteria-branded show. Um but but it was so it was right before that. But they they just sounded really incredible. I, I I don't know if where I was sitting was was better or something. But that was that was probably the best time um, that I've seen them. And I I loved the I loved the set list. They kind of hit a lot of different things, and and it was just very cool and awesome. This time they played with Poison and Tesla at what? the KFC Yum Center. Tesla? Tesla, yep. Oh man, that's amazing. Do they play what was their uh what was their last song? Was it uh I what I, was I it what you give? Tesla. You fucking idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was not uh, so I All right, so I was kind of late to the to get to the venue because I so I bought a ticket for myself and a ticket for my wife, uh Franny. Franny dished out on me like like I texted her like at like 4 or 5 p.m. from work and she she went oh right that's tonight and then like I got the little dot 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 text like she was kind of thinking about it and then it was like do you mind if I not go <laughs> and uh <laughs> so I so then I had to find somebody else to go with me uh and that took a while and then but then eventually uh my friend Jessica ended up going with me and, and she was like, I will do it as long as I don't have to see Tesla perform. Yeah, she... Because she, she's Tommy Schiacci's ex-wife. <laughs> yeah, she, she's, she's, nailed a few, she's nailed a few people in Tesla, and she didn't want to see them. Sure. Uh, I mean, that's something good for your, uh, you know, your, your vision board, is well, nailing all the members of Tesla. I gotta say, you know, I, I wasn't heartbroken about missing Tesla, 
Though maybe I should be, but the thing is, uh, what you give is I love that song. I what fucking song. love what you give. I think that's a, an American classic. Yeah, uh, if they're American, which I believe they are. They are. And uh, but their rest of their catalog, I doesn't. I mean, I I know I've listened to it, but I don't have any great memories with the rest of their catalog, and I don't. I don't care that much about it. So I was not worried. I wasn't, like, rushing in to get in to see Tesla at the time. I had the same... Uh, I actually had the same feeling about Poison, where I was like, you know, I I just... I was there to see Def Leppard. And so it was Tesla, followed by Poison, followed by Def Leppard. And we show up, like, right when Poison starts playing. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I'll, this this probably won't be that good. I was a fan of Poison back in the day. But I just could not, I just could not imagine, I could not imagine that Poison would both still be together, still be alive, and still sure. sound good. Like, I couldn't, I, I know they were like, I, they I were can't imagine for, that. They were known for like high energy performances back then. But like, what are the, what are the odds that both C.C. DeVille and Brett Michaels would be alive, healthy today, and still performing music that sounds good. Here's the weird thing about it. I was wrong. Poison sounded great. Like, they sounded great. I got, like, a little bit choked up, like, twice watching Poison perform. What, when they were playing Smoking in the Boys' Room, or...? <laughs> no, when they were... Uh, well, that's, that's Motley Crue. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's a Motley Crue cover of whose song? What is that, like a Boston song? That wasn't Poison? Fuck. Okay. Um, no, uh, no, it was Unskinny Bop. <laughs> I, I got super choked up. Uh, oh, my God. Unskinny Bop was amazing. Seeing, the, there's a certain dance. That's the, that is the Poison song I would want to see them play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's a certain dance that people of all ages do because Unskinny Bop has like an irregular groove <laughs> for music of that era. Uh, and there is just like, you can just see people getting into it in a way that they don't get into other stuff. But anyway, so poison has a suit has like of all the bands of that era. Uh, I feel like they have a little bit of a tougher task because they only have one guitarist and it's C.C. DeVille, and he plays this, like, kind of punk metal hybrid tone that's a, that could be a little bit annoying if you weren't into it. And then, uh, but it's a super stripped-down sound, right? It's just like a three-piece and a singer. But somehow, again, C.C. sounded amazing. His, his playing was top-notch. He didn't look, he didn't, like, I saw Motley Crue kind of recently, and every one of them looked like they were about to die. CeCe DeVille looked, was hopping around on stage like he was fucking on fire. And it was, it was great. Uh, they did this long version of Something to Believe in that they were filming, I guess, for the troops, he kept saying. But he, like, <laughs> but he kept, like, stopping and then, like, just thanking everybody for being so awesome. And I kept thinking that that was, like, the end of the song. And everybody was like, yeah, like going, going nuts. The whole crowd was going nuts more so than anything else that night that I saw. And he did that like three times in the middle of something to believe in to where you were like, when is this song going to actually end? Like, when are you going to get to the, like, I thought it ended like three times. And then, uh, um, it was, it, it, I don't know. It was just, it felt very, it was obviously a legacy performance but it sounded good, and they felt kind of grateful to be up there in a way that I wasn't expecting, and that moved me. Yeah, uh, like they didn't—they didn't take it for granted. They were not—they they, were—they were pretty interestingly not taking it for granted, considering that the considering that the two main guys in there are basically like reality show stars at this point. Yeah, they—they um, they weren't like—I don't know—they—they they seemed to—they seemed very weirdly grounded but anyway so let's and get and comparing them to somebody like motley Crue, i will say one of the reasons why i'm sad you missed tesla's performance is i i would have been really interested to see if they closed out or their if their centerpiece of their set was a uh, song in emotion which yes, is a song that's right. 
you know, at least the, the, the rumor is that it's based on Steve Clark. Oh, it's definitely based on, it's about yeah. Steam and Steve Clark. They, and uh, it's, that's a fucking great tune, dude. Well, we've talked about it on the show before. I, I don't like it that much. Um, well, you're but crazy. I but I appreciate the sentiment <laughs> behind it. I certainly, I, like, I'm all, I'm all for the song, but it's not, I don't know. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't sound to me like something Steve Clark would have written. So it's like, it's a little bit off to me. Um, but it, you know what? It's a very like reverent song. It's about how yeah, great you, he is. No, yeah, you can bum me out on so, a song I like. That's fine. Um, so <laughs> Def Leppard comes out. Time what to is get to Def Leppard? All right. What is their opening track? All right. So they, I, my prediction was that they were going to start with Let Go or Let. I'm sorry, Let's Go. The first track on their new al- album. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of things about it that would make it a good suitable first track for this tour supporting this new album. One, it's the first song on the new album. It's the lead single from the new album, but it also has a lot of lines in it like uh it's like about you're on the edge of your seat like let's um oh what's the um do you want to do this now is like the hook from it. And it's got kind of, do you know the song let's go off the new I think, record? I think I've heard it once or twice, right, but right. I don't. The heat goes up as the lights go down. The beat goes on when we hit your Yeah, it's the new album is uh, well. I don't know. We we'll talk about it at some point. Anyway, I predicted it would be the first song. It was the first song. Uh, then they went it, as soon as it was done. They kicked right into Animal Baby. these like they that's, have this that's tough that's What's, getting people that's that's raising expectations a lot oh, at that sure. point well they have this uh they have this like backdrop that comes up when they do animal um and i don't i actually i i think i remember it from the um i don't know if is i remember like, is it like a is it like a barnyard scene <laughs> it would be amazing. It would be amazing if it was like trapeze artists in a barn. Uh, <laughs> but, it, like the video, but the, uh, I, I either remember it from the last tour I saw them on or from the um, uh, watching videos of the Hysteria special they were doing out in Las Vegas, the residency. Yeah. But, uh, but it's this, what it is, is it's a bunch of street signs. It's a bunch of sort of American Route 66 neon looking street signs, or, or maybe Vegas-y looking street signs that say a bunch of different uh, sort of, I, I guess, kind of generic-y things. Um, but, uh, th- so Animal sounded great. Then they went into Let It Go. Which is a song I've heard, I, I think... I think at least two of the shows, two or yeah. three of them, I've, I'm pretty sure back when we saw them together, they opened with Let It Go, because it's, like it's a really good, like, early on, uh, it's got a great little opening riff, it's got a great swagger to it, upbeat song, it's a good opener. Um, so they did Let It Go, then they did Dangerous, which is another song from the new album. <laughs> A good song. Uh, then they played Foolin'. Fa 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 Foolin'. Which sounded great. Good, good, um, good, great. Mm hmm. They did, after Foolin', they did Love Bites. Oh, 
Oh, so they chilled the whole room out a little bit. Yep. And now I have a bra interlude written down on my on my thing, which I I actually it's been you know what it's been a it's been a month or two since this happened, and I can't remember what the bra interlude was. Yeah. But I think what it was was a. I think it was like showing. It was like something on the screen that maybe had a lady in a bra that was like okay. really sexy, probably. And then he and then he talked about and then Joe talked about Viv for a minute because Viv has had some health issues recently. He's been battling cancer, so they brought Viv out especially, and Viv did like a little bit, little bit of a solo. Then they go into Armageddon. It. So at that point, you're bawling. You're in tears. Yes. Yes. Uh, and and uh, although everyone in the section that I was in, uh, I, I got to say, the, the, I was in kind of a disappointing section because I was all the way. So I was probably further back than I've ever been to see them. I was way back against the wall in a basketball arena. And so I'll, I was hearing a ton of bass. Not a whole lot of vocals, but I was also mm-hmm. in like this section with a bunch of like, I don't know if they're skinheads or what, but there was a, like a very, there was a very like, uh, there was a certain kind of vibe in, in my section, which I thought was weird, especially during Poison, because they were going nuts for Poison, and then they were like sleeping during Def Leppard, and I just thought it was weird that, um, one thought I had was like, I don't know if you remember this, but well, like back when I was ten, I was I, like I loved Poison when I was like ten. But they were like considered a quote unquote girl band. Do you remember that? Sure. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Like tough guys would be like, "Oh, you like that girl music or whatever." Like they were, they were yeah, this, the, they were something that girls liked. Tough guys listen to stuff like what, like Slaughter. Tough guys were listening to Metallica bon and Anthrax and shit like that. And Poison was this girly bullshit. But so, now, or or rat? Were they listening to rat? Rat was probably like right in the middle there. Rat was probably like acceptable. To this but, day, I still think the rat is the best of the hair metal bands. Really? <laughs> yeah, we'll talk about this on another episode. Well, yeah, we, apparently we need to start a rat podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe get that one up the news charts. So. <laughs> Well, the thought I had that was was just so weird is because I'm, I'm like, so while Poison is playing, they're going nuts. And while Def Leppard's playing, they're all falling asleep. And I'm like, it's weird to me that that Poison was a girl band when they were popular. And I say, again, this is quote unquote girl band when they were popular. But yeah, now, I mean, you're being a little gendered here. I don't know if I'm cool. I, because that's the way that's the way it was. That was the the cultural that was the tide that was in. At the at the time, culturally, was they they had they put like pinups in like little uh, teeny bopper magazines of poison, and they didn't do that for anthrax. So it was, uh, <laughs> you know, it was a different thing. So, but now these guys who probably felt that way back in that at that time, these like skinhead guys surrounding me are like throwing their fists up and like freaking out over poison. And I don't know if that means that they were outliers at the time or if they have grown to love poison because they've seen the rest of their culture erode away or something. You know what I mean? It's just an interesting sociological point that we could uh, let's go over on our other podcast that we have. That's more of like a like a sociological poison podcast. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, 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 it's the social, uh, socio-political impact of poison in the alt-right sure. movement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, like, like somebody in, right in front of me was like going to take a picture, and then they, and then they hit the button on their phone, and their background was like this, this like dying Nazi soldier with like a Confederate flag in front of him and stuff. And I was like, Jesus Christ, what? <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. It's like not something you would pull out in public unless you were in section three sixteen of the yum center during a poison show. Uh, and you're like, dude, not a picture of your family. <laughs> <laughs> maybe that is, maybe that was her family. Um, I don't know. I it was, a, it was a her as well. So, but anyway, wow. uh, I shouldn't make, assumptions you're right so armageddon it is performed by the way pepe deville is there anything there <laughs> anything there 
I'll bet they'll make something of it. All of our, hey, all of our, uh, all of our four chan listeners will probably uh, go wild, go buck wild with that this week. Um, just kidding. We don't have any four chan fans. I don't even know what that is. And if we do, uh, I'm sure you can find something else to do with your time. So. We heard we heard Armageddon. It then there was like a little then there was a little moment where Joe just came out and uh, and perhaps inspired by how heartfelt Poison was, or perhaps um, just he was talking about how they uh, the first time the first time Def Leppard had played in Louisville was like forty years ago or something. Is that right? Could that be right? I think he meant no. Actually, he was talking about how they started. 40 years ago and then he said how long it had been like what the first time they had played there was but he gave sure. this like very he gave this very heartfelt little thing about how it's been a great 40 years and how they're they're gonna be back and that was nice that was touching uh now here here things here things get a little get a little messy for me. So uh-huh. they do. So he does that. He does the 40th anniversary. And he ties that into this cover song they do of "Rock On." You know that "Hey Kid, Rock and Roll, Rock On." They have that. They did an, uh, a, an album of covers, and that's the single from that. And they did that song. And Joe comes out after that to do the song Man Enough off their new album. Are you man enough? Sure. Um, which we've talked about, I think, just a touch on this show. Because um, that's kind of their current single. Uh, man Enough is a song about whether or not a woman is man enough to be his girl. And Joe puts on this... So Joe, at some point in this, put on a... (laughs) uh, a, Like, what we were kind of calling a carnival, like, barker, but I think it's more like a lion tamer uh, outfit. Have you seen it? It's like a white hat. It looks very cartoony. It's a white jacket, like a white jacket with the... with like drawn on tassels and a white hat and he kind of looks like he kind of looks like a reduced down like like uh pixelated <laughs> like lion tamer or something when he has it on or a cartoon lion tamer and uh and I'm okay with it for him come to come out and do like man enough but then he does rocket wearing that outfit <laughs> right which gives which there's a little tonal it changes the tone of rocket a little bit it makes it almost more of like you know he's shouting out all those all those other rock songs and stuff Yeah, I feel like if it's not a if it's not a Union Jack tank top, I'm a little nervous about it. Yeah, uh, with Rocket, if, with Rocket, if the guy singing Rocket is not like a cool guy in like a leather jacket or like a Union Jack shirt or something, yep, it 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 fucks it up a little bit for me. Like it 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 changes the like if. At that point, it needs to, he needs to fit into our very narrow definition of cool around here, which involves leather jackets or Union sure. Jack tank tops. Sure. Anything outside those narrow boundaries will kind of mess up what is one of Def Leppard's best songs, Rocket, a song yeah. about being a cool guy in outer space. Yeah. Well, because it stops being about a cool guy being in outer space, and it starts being like he's a clown who's advertising other rock songs to you. You know what I mean? Yeah, like that's yeah. what that's what changes it a little bit. Now here's here's where my problem. That now, so all that's just a little dubious to me. But here's where I think it goes off the rails, and I'm not cool with it. Then he performs "Bringing on the Heartbreak," still, still wearing, wearing the jacket and hat.
still the fuck wearing a out of here. like what looks like a band leader's like jacket and hat or lion tamer's jacket and hat. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm, not, might okay. As well I'm be, not okay with that. He's might as might as well be wearing a fucking t-shirt I saw in Germany that said Ich bin 40 Jahre alt und fühle mich cool, man. Which means <laughs> I'm 40 mean? years old and I feel cool, man. <laughs> oh my God, like, Stuart. Fuck that. <laughs> Stuart, we're very close to needing that shirt, you and me. <laughs> I know. Und fühle mich sehr cool, man. Let's get matching, uh, th- let's get those shirts matching for our 40th birthdays, but then... If- but then I'll have white. I'll have white milk barf down my front on on mine, and you'll have chocolate milk barf down chocolate the front milk. on yours. Or strawberry quick, depending on availability. Sure, uh, it's always got to depend on I mean, availability. I think that's genuinely worth us spending, however much money it is, to fly to some small town in eastern Germany that had a head shop that sold those shirts. I'm assuming they still have them. Yeah, it'd probably be the only way to get it is to fly to the. Fly to that town, specifically to that that's, town. That's true. So, all right. So here's the here's the silver lining on the uh, little turd nugget that I just uh, told you about, where which is that he was wearing that uh, jacket and hat for that. Is that they they performed "Bring It On" the Heartbreak, and they also performed "Switch Six Two Five. The second half, the instrumental rockin', no uh, shit. Like, like, like upbeat solo half of Bringing on the Heartbreak, which was amazing. So good. Uh, that was really, really fucking killer. Um, and then it went into a drum solo. Uh-huh. Long, extended Rick Allen drum solo that was real nice, real tasty. <laughs> yeah. Which went into, uh, which, which led in, and again, these, these transitions, just, I want everybody to just take, uh, just assume that when I say it goes into, Def Leppard's transitions at their shows are incredible. They're so well orchestrated. So the drum solo, then the drum solo kicks into Hysteria. What? Which was badass. Now at this point, uh, at this point, Joe is no longer wearing the uh, the stupid jacket and hat, which uh-huh. which was great. I think he did he that. Probably, out. He took it off during the drum solo or something. Yeah, he had the uh, he had a slight. Um, there was like a minor tribute to Bowie in the middle of Hysteria, which I think. He probably took the jacket off because he knew Bowie wouldn't wouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, a zombie Bowie would come and kill him. <laughs> and then they did. And then after Hysteria, uh, th- I just remember sort of everything drops down, the lights go out, and then pour some sugar on me, baby. You gotta please a little, squeeze a little, tease a little more. Easy operator knocking on my door. And at that point, suddenly all the skinheads in my section wake up and everything just like everything blows up in the whole place and everybody gets up and they're stomping and clapping and they're finally here and pour some sugar on me, uh, which which sounded great. It was awesome. Uh, yeah. but it was, but you know, it was pour some sugar on me. It was, uh, it was exactly what you'd, what you'd expect from there. Um, the, then there was, uh, that was like how they finished the main set. They yeah. all, they all leave. The lights come up and then, uh, Rick Allen comes out and does the, after a few minutes. And they do Rock of Ages, and then their final song was Photograph. Paper Sun. Okay. Oh, no, they did not do Paper Sun. 
I'll probably never see them do Paper Sun live, you know? We saw them do Paper Sun when we were in Wait, Purdue. We yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where, uh, where oh, Phil Collin, like, fell down on the stage. Like, he fell down on his back playing the guitar solo. And oh, then they had right. the spotlight surrounding him. Oh, my God. That's amazing. I had completely forgotten about that. And I had forgotten they did Paper Sun at that. Yeah, they did, uh, they did that in the other one from that record. Promises. 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 I won't make promises I can't keep. Great song. They did not. Yeah. They, they, I don't think they've done it since that tour. But those, I mean, those song. two songs, I feel like those two songs fit in with the Adrenalize more than a lot of their later stuff fit in pretty well with the Hysteria Adrenalize material. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, most of that, most of that record does. Uh, that's, a, that's a good sort of middle of the... I mean, it's not as strong as Adrenalize. No, that's Or fair. by any means Hysteria, but it's like... But, I mean, if you're going to pick and choose and sneak one or two songs in, I think those... Oh, I absolutely. I think it would certainly fit in as a B-side. Yeah. Um, well, it sounds like you had a great time, Alex. And, I sure uh, did. Do you have any questions much, how, about, okay. the, about the show? Sorry, I Wait, just talked for a long time about the set. Do you have any questions about the show? Yeah, about, I mean, my first question is, what kind of merch did you pick up at the show? Well, I got some Love Bites panties. Uh, I got <laughs> awesome. the I got the tour hat. I got okay. I got a couple. What kind of hat is it? Is it like a dad fishing hat or is it a baseball cap? It's a fitted. It's a fitted ball cap. Um, oh, okay. That I put in the glove compartment of my car, and it says uh, it says Def Leppard Tour 2017 on the on the on the That's back great. of it. And I got a couple tumblers that say uh, Def Leppard on them, uh, and then they have broken glass sort of graphics on them, which is crazy. On it looks crazy on a on a tumbler because it's like it's glass, you know. What it I mean? is glass. Why is it broken? It's just, yeah, so it's cra- it's really wild to have like a decal of broken glass on glass. Yeah, you go to serve somebody a drink and that, and they're like, "Why are you handing me broken glass?" <laughs> yeah, they just scream and they drop it because they think it's shattering towards them at that. And at luckily, that it doesn't break because it's made out of the finest Def Leppard glass, so it doesn't break at all. <laughs> yep, it just bounces yeah. off your floor and spills whatever beverage. I'm guessing I don't know milk. They fly directly to quick. an Italian town where the masters are making this glass that have sure. been this strong glass they've been making for the last 700 years. So it sounds like you had a great time. Uh, so looking, sure back at that, looking back at that show, I know you don't want to play backseat driver. Sure. But had you, if you could sneak in there and maybe tweak that set list. What one tune would you pull out and then swap a new tune in? Wow, that's a good question. That's a great question. I don't know if I'm, I don't know if if I'll, if I'll have the definitive answer. Uh, it, it's something that I might that I might want to stew around a bit with in. Mm-hmm. But I'll t- I'll tell you this: uh, the new songs fit very well into their set. And yeah. complement the other songs really well. Like, I have to say, I, if if Poison had thrown in a new, a brand new song, it would have stood out like fucking crazy. Yeah, like it, if they did a cover of "Smoking in the Boys' Room." <laughs> <laughs> if they if Poison had covered uh, the entirety of Motley Crue's "Doctor Feelgood," it would have stood out like a sore thumb. Could you but, imagine those guys trying to play fucking Motley Crue like? I just feel like Motley Crue has a little more heft than they do. Motley Crue has more heft, but Motley Crue also sounds like shit because they wrote their songs with more heft than Poison did. Poison yeah, has that. Poison has like bounce, basically. Poison has bounce, and they're kind of and they write these like kind of ratty songs that they can just shout along to. the The big issue with a lot of bands of that era, particularly Motley Crue and Skid Row, and bands of that ilk is that they wrote these songs that they could barely perform at the time. You know, there's all these stories of yeah. Motley Crue, like there's these stories of like Vince Neil being brought in on like a stretcher after ODing on something and like having to like squeal his way through these songs and they do it once. And then like they have to try to perform it live, but none of them are like able-bodied sober enough to actually perform these songs. And that's why they sound like shit live. And I've seen Motley Crue pretty recently live. I've seen Skid Row pretty recently live. They sound terrible because they they wrote these like hard songs to play, and they're still playing them as they get older and older and older. 
And uh, but with- I, I've I've heard that uh, that Metallica suffers from that a little bit nowadays. That when they play some of the older stuff, that they need to like take breaks. <laughs> Yeah, no, that make that makes total sense to me. Uh, yeah, some of their stuff, I I can't imagine that like Lars would be able to play some of the beats from like, you know, the from like Ride the Lightning days. Like that seems. Uh, but I'm I mean I'm sure he I'm sure he's in better shape than me. But I, but still, it seems like it seems like that that stuff's very energetic and would be and would be difficult. And now, just the way the, that and like the stress that it puts on their hands, like. Just like for me, yeah. just like bartending puts enough stress on my hands that my hands hurt. I couldn't imagine like having to do something precision related. Yeah, true. Other than it's just like, fucking jacking it. You get repeti- you get repetitive hand syndrome or whatever it's called, repetitive motion syndrome. People get that in factories. I'm sure if you're rocking out every night for twenty years, thirty years, yeah, yeah, you probably yeah. get some- a battery or whatever other Metallica song I can think of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But with the way, uh, so so I think that. That helps poison in retrospect because their songs are are slightly less detailed and a little rattier. They're a little like yeah. more, they're a little punkier. So like it, it it helps poison sound decent. Now uh, it it does hurt Def Leppard because uh, Joe Elliott like the way he sings on their albums through Adrenalize is he was being pushed really hard to sing in the highest possible, like to squeal those high notes and to, and to, they, they pitched all their songs up to where they were like really, really high. And you can hear that wearing on him a little bit in the live performances where he has to like do falsetto instead of a, instead of a squeal. He has to pull back a little bit on some of the higher notes. And have, have they been re have they been re-recording their old stuff? Cause I know like a lot of, like a lot of bands that have trouble with their studios or their labels have been re-recording shit. Like that, we end that, up listening to a lot of Pandora, and I end up hearing like the shitty new Journey songs, like the shitty yeah. new versions of Journey, or like Foreigner, right. and that shit breaks my heart, dude. Yeah, it's bad, and it and Def Leppard has done that. They uh, they actually they re-recorded at least Hysteria. I know they re-recorded Hysteria because they. They were in a con- they were in a copyright dispute or a royalty dispute, and they wanted to get something up on Spotify, and and the, you know they wanted to get something on streaming services, so they just re-recorded Hysteria. They've admitted that it doesn't sound as good, and it do- and it doesn't. There's just not it doesn't have the same magic, and it's it's impo- There's that you know you can you can work so hard to like recreate certain things, but there's just going to be that that slight one percent magic factor that you don't get yeah like it's like every time i hear uh uh i want to know what love is by foreigner when they do the when i hear the like new version and uh there's just like um it, you're it, that's a perfect example of like a one percent off where you're like this yeah. should be fine but it doesn't feel fine. Yeah, you can't put your finger on any single one thing. It's not as bad as like the new Journey songs where they have the the non-Steve Perry guy yeah, in there yeah. who's like, you know what Steve Perry wasn't? Enough of a showboat. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's trying to out-showboat Steve Perry. It's like, oh no, um, that's the wrong lesson. But yeah, that, t- that totally, uh, that happened with Def Leppard. I, I think that um, that basically the, there's nothing that can be done about it at this point. It's just that the hysteria era songs and a little bit earlier of Def Leppard, he was pushed to sing outside of his comfortable range. And so now you see them live and he's maybe doing a little falsetto. Maybe they pitched the song down a little bit with the new songs What's kind of striking about the new songs is that they sound they sound like they're like hysteria era songs, but he's singing in a more reasonable register. So his voice yeah. sounds better on them, but you're not getting that you know squeal. You're not getting that classic like eighties like virtuosic squeal that you expect. Yeah, the like the like choir of angels. Like, yeah, how do we get this high? I'm getting a nosebleed sort of thing. Right, right. Just that like piercing laser squeal that uh, that I that I wish I wish he was able to just like pull it up automatically. But what are you going to do? He's the singer of the band, 
and yeah. it would it would destroy his voice to do that in every song. And so yeah, he's I not can't, like he's. I, we can't expect him to be like King Diamond or something, or like a or like a Sebastian Bach, yeah. um, who can actually hit those notes still. But he's unfortunately no longer singing for Skid Row. So if you go to see Skid Row, you see a guy who's like 70% as good as Sebastian Bach, who like will will go for it. He doesn't like float it the way Joe does, but he'll go for it with full chest voice. But he's a, but he pulls the mic away and he's a little quiet and they clearly have a backing track of Sebastian Bach's voice there as support to hit the actual high note, um, which I'm not going to criticize them for that because it's like one of the only good things that you hear when you see Skid Row perform is that little touch of Sebastian <laughs> Bach in the background there. Yeah, you see his ghost floating above. Yeah, yeah, and you feel it. You feel the vitality of the original performance. Yeah. When, they're, um, when they're doing that cover of Godzilla. Yeah. Um. We were going to talk about White Lightning tonight. I don't think we have episode. time for that shit. But yeah, we're not like that's a long song, and we don't. Yeah, we should don't we need talk about in. Def Leppard's? What is this? Their longest song, right? No, I mean, it's, I, it's like over seven minutes. I don't know if it's we sh- we could we could check what what clocks in at maybe longer than that, but I feel like. I mean, isn't there's got to be something on hysteria that's that's longer than this, right? I'm gonna double check. I don't think so. Maybe. Uh, while I'm looking this up, why don't we vamp for a seven? second? <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so here we go. So this is seven minutes and three. So White Lightning, which is the song we were gonna talk about tonight, but we talked about the show instead, uh, is seven minutes and three seconds long. And you're right, the longest song on hysteria is. Uh, Rocket, which is six minutes and thirty eight seconds. I would say if you put um Bring It on the Heartbreak and Switch Six Two Five together, uh-huh, if you, you take them, them together, you get a seven minute and thirty seven second song. Okay. Um, and then but, but I wasn't gonna do that. <laughs> you were so. you weren't planning on it. Uh how long is Paper Sun? Isn't Paper Sun long? Well, let's find out. This is the most exciting part of the show where yeah, we yeah. No, click on Euphoria and Paper Sun is 527. It looks like I was right when I said that thing off the cuff. <laughs> uh, actually, I'm going to say that you're wrong. Okay. Well, we, you know, we'll let, uh, God, uh, we'll let Judy decide. <laughs> well, Judy, Judy just came down and told me that Overture off of On Through the Night is seven minutes and 40 seconds long. Uh, you must have some kind of weird import. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, it's weird import from England where they made it. <laughs> so this has been good to get back in the saddle, right? Yep, that's an Aerosmith song, but it's good. It's good to get back in the saddle again. Yeah. Um, doing, doing a podcast. Um so, uh, yeah, where can we normally find you? What are we, Next time, I guess, we'll talk about White Lightning? Yeah, well, actually, let me, uh, yeah, we'll talk about White Lightning le- next time. Uh, let me just, uh, let me plug my, we haven't, I think I put out an album since we last <laughs> did a. Yeah. I think you did too. S- since we last did an episode, I released, uh, so I do, um, I do a musical, uh, like, a, like a funny music thing that's called Howl Dotty and I have a new album that's out on all wherever you wherever you buy streams wherever you buy music it's on Bandcamp it's on iTunes it's on Amazon it's on Spotify it's on all that shit yeah I'd, I'd warn people uh don't listen to it if you're allergic to earworms oh shit cuz it it'll get in your brain all right. Well, thank you, Stuart. I appreciate that. So it's uh, it's Hal Dotty. It's called I'm Done. It's the second Hal Dotty album. Uh, there's a lot of videos for the songs that are on that album already available on on YouTube. So look it oh, up so on they YouTube. Can just, yeah, they can just listen to it on YouTube. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, of course, you can listen to anything on YouTube now. They put a they put any streaming stuff. They just go ahead and load it up there anyway. Uh, uh, oh yeah, I really liked uh, Iguana. I thought that was great. 
Yeah, there's a video um, for Iguana. That's the most recent video I've put out. Scary was really great. Oh, thanks. Uh, man, because you're a man, what a what a track. Because you're a man, mm-hmm. uh, I'm working on I'm working on some T-shirts that are uh, based on because you're a man. I'm really excited about the T-shirts. Uh, so I'll have some I'll have some some more T-shirts, some more merch that you can find uh, if you if you look me up on Facebook as Howell Dotty. That's H O W E double L D A W D Y. Then uh, look me up on Twitter as at Howell Dotty. Now you'll notice that's not my actual name. My name is Alex Smith, the uh, oh, Doctor wow. Def. Pulling back the curtain, huh? But Hal Dottie is an ancestor of mine. I do, uh, I do have a like a, a genetic, a DNA attachment to that actual name. I just can't call myself Alex Smith because that's a like a famous football player. He stole, he stole my name, he stole my uh, my identity, and became I'm a sorry. famous football player. Uh, so anyway, yeah, look that up on Twitter. Look that up on Facebook. And listen to it wherever you get your regular music. You'll find it very fun and uh, very catchy, as Stuart said. And I'm very proud of it. Yeah, you should be, dude. It's great. Thanks, buddy. Uh, Uh, Stuart, where can people find you? Oh, you can find me at Hinterlands Bar in Brooklyn, New York. Congratulations, by the way. Had a bar open for a year. Had a bar open for a year. It's, uh, you know... I don't like to say that I'm living the dream that often because it's a cliche, but you know what? Sometimes cliches are cliches for a reason. I'd say all the time they're cliches for a reason. So, yeah, no, I love it. Uh, And I just moved my studio over by the bar so that uh, I can get drunk and then come record a podcast. Uh, So this is the the My Underpants studio that we're in right now? My Underpants studio, yep, that's uh, to absorb sound and crystal energy. Um, And you can also find me on Twitter at at FlophouseCat. If you uh, like listening to my voice for some reason, you can also check out uh, the Flophouse podcast. It's a comedy podcast about movies. It's mandatory. Uh, It's a mandatory podcast. may be coming to your hometown sometime soon. Who knows? Uh, Just go to your local local theater and wait outside, and maybe the Flophouse will show up. Yeah, what are some upcoming tour dates? What do you got? Uh, this will drop. Uh, this will drop next Thursday. This will drop a week from tomorrow. What oh tour shit! Dates you got? Uh, I think we we have a show in Philly that I can definitely plug. Hell That's, yeah! Uh, July sixteenth, I think. It's a okay. Sunday. It might be seventeenth. It's okay. one of those two. It's the Sunday. It's part of but the Philly podcast festival. A Sunday. Definitely a Sunday. We're doing the later show, which is seven p.m. Come out and see us. Uh, it's. I'm looking forward to it. We haven't announced the movie we're going to review, but uh, it should be a good time. Cool. Yay! Do uh, uh, do Munich, the Spielberg movie. Uh, that shit was on fucking. What is it? The Times put in their top twenty five movies of the decade or of this <laughs> century, and I was like, what? Fuck that! <laughs> like, I don't mind Munich that much, but that shit ain't that great. I liked I liked Munich. Fine. I just thought you it would be li- a funny. I just thought it'd be a funny movie for you guys to try to riff over the whole time. The uh, I mean, we're not gonna. It's not a riff show. We're just gonna oh, be reviewing oh, you're doing, it. Right. The okay. the the joke we make every time we're about to do a live show is when we're starting to prepare for it. I'm like, shouldn't we just watch uh, Birth of a Nation instead? Because <laughs> it was a huge flop. And it would be really, uh, it would be really funny to see three uh, dumbass straight white dudes, uh, you know, spit some hot takes about uh, right. the Nat Turner rebellion or whatever. I'm sure that would be really funny and fun for everybody involved. Uh, <laughs> okay, well, this part's going to get out of that. Thanks for listening. Uh, see you next time. Love you guys. Thank you. Thank you. What an episode. Yes. Yeah.